If you have your Bible, please turn with me to Daniel chapter 10 as we continue to plug away through Daniel. Title of the message this morning is There is Something in the Air. You'll see how that relates to the Bible study when we're in the midst of it. So let me turn there with you. Daniel chapter 10. Mini introduction. Daniel has 12 chapters. The first six chapters are chronological. They go in order in the book of Daniel. Chapters 7 through 12 are visions, dreams that God had given to Daniel specifically in that period of time of the 70-year Babylonian captivity that is chronicled in chapters 1 through 6. And so as Daniel presses in and he's seeking the Lord in that time space of 70 years, God is giving him all these different personal visions that he shares with us. Daniel chapter 10 begins the end of the book in a vision that God gives to Daniel. The culmination of that vision is seen in chapters 11 and 12. And it's speaking specifically of a future time for Daniel. It's not going to be in his time, but it's speaking of um, Medo-Persian where he's ending Uh, the rain, and then going into Greece where he won't be here. But nonetheless, this is where we find Daniel in Daniel chapter 10. And let's pray and ask God to go before us. Father, we thank you for your word and we pray that you would speak to us through your word so much here for us to learn into the spiritual realm that exists that oftentimes, Lord, unfortunately, we lose sight of and we lose track of. I pray, Father, that we would be forewarned. I pray, Lord, that we would be equipped to know what it is we are to do as we live this life, as we walk this earth. And so bless this time, Lord, as we offer it up to you in Jesus' name, amen. So there is something In the air, Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. 536 BC, two years had passed since the first decree to let Israel return. And that's seen in Ezra chapter 1 going to chapter 2 verse 1. And then it'd be Ezra chapter 2 verse 6, 64, all the way through 3.1. And so you're able to see that exactly what's taking place as God is speaking through the prophet Ezra. At the end of the Babylonian captivity, there would be three times where they would be able to pull the children of the nation of Israel out of Babylon. This was the first one. So this is the time period that Daniel is getting this vision In Daniel chapter 10, verse 2. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. We're going to see it's 24 days, but 21 days is three weeks, right? Seven times three, 21. And so he begins praying at day one. And it's interesting what takes place in this chapter, verse 3. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And so this is a 
type of fast. Some people say it's not a fast because a fast is going without food and only drinking water. He, it, it's a partial fast, I guess, at best, if it is a fast. But nonetheless, he is denying his flesh as he's pressing into God. He is saying no to something that he rightfully deserves or can have. There's nothing sinful about eating, right? Eating well. It's when we eat too much or the opposite, you know, of of things, throwing up the food we eat and all those things about food that we get uh, just trapped into. But he's denying his flesh and his desire is to hear from God as he's pressing in. And so there's a, a physical discipline on his part as he's doing this. There's four. Now, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Euphaz. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words were like the voice of a multitude. If you were to read Revelation chapter 1, the, the, the personage, the person that Daniel is seeing in this vision sounds very much like the vision of um, Jesus in Revelation chapter 1. Commentators say that it can't be Jesus because this person ends up needing help uh, as we get down towards about verse 24 in this chapter. So whether it's Jesus or a high-ranking angel, nonetheless, there is somebody there to help Daniel. And this is the vision that he gets. Verse 7 And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. So Daniel is the only one that sees what's going on, but there must be something else happening, right? For the people that he's with to run and hide in terror, I don't know if it's lightning, I don't know if it's, you know, thunder, I don't know if it's this, you know, this presence, But something's going on for the people to hide and flee that he's with. But he's the only one that's seeing what God is revealing in this vision. Verse 8, therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision and no strength remained in me for my vigor was turned to frailty in me and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words and while I heard the sound of his words I was in a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. And so Daniel is humbled at best by what's taking place. He comes into the presence of God and God is allowing something spiritual, something of the realm that is spiritual to to come into his physical realm. And you can get no lower than your face to the floor and that's where he goes. His face is literally on the floor And there's something that's transpiring. Again, what is he doing? He's praying. He's fasting or a partial fast. He's pressing into that spiritual realm that exists. And he's asking God to reveal something to him. Verse 10, suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved. Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. 
while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Coming into the presence of God is not anything that we do casually. The Bible declares that our God is a consuming fire. And I think sometimes the flippant attitude that I hear in regards or relation to God is somebody who doesn't know the God of the Bible, the God of creation. When people come into the presence of God in the Bible as it's here for us to read, we notice a certain reaction. We read it in our time of responsive reading, Isaiah chapter 6. If you were to read Isaiah 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, you would see the prophet Isaiah condemning the nations because of their sin. Woe to you, this nation. Woe to you, this nation. And then all of a sudden, some tragic happens into the life of Isaiah. And he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and I was undone. And I said, woe is me, because I have a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. I find it interesting the angel is going to heal Daniel's lips in these chapters. The Bible declares that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's our lips that need to be healed. Verse 12. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision refers to many days yet to come. So again, we're going to see the vision fulfilled in chapters 11 and 12. This is just an introduction to that vision. But something interesting happening right here, something uh, dynamic taking place here. Daniel begins to pray at day one. The prayer ascends to the throne of God. God dispatches his angel. His angel is on his way, but something holds that angel back for 21 days. And wouldn't reach him until the 24th day. That's kind of trippy. There's something in the air. There's a realm that exists. I think of radio frequencies. Where are they at? They're in the air. Isn't it crazy? You can send like a picture across the air. Like, Like I was texting my daughter some pictures yesterday. She put a... She shouldn't have done it. She put a, like a, a Halloween costume on her cat, and it, he looked pretty, he looked really dorky, but it was cool because the cat has a smashed face, and just the cat alone is pretty cool to look at. And so she has this cool little costume on it that it looks like a, I don't know what it was. <laughs> it's funny. And so I took a picture, and I'm able to send it that picture. Where did, how, whoa, we're not connected through a wire. We're not, like, it just through the air, right? There's stuff in the air that exists. And in the spiritual realm, there's stuff in the air that exists. I was reflecting yesterday at the men's Bible study. Two of my nieces have schizophrenia. And I'm very interested in the voices that they hear because they're often destructive 
voices. Do you ever notice that? Isn't that a trip that they're destructive voices? And my personal belief, this is just my opinion, I believe that they're in tap with that air, with that realm that's there that exists, and they have a higher frequency or a dial that is able to pull some of those voices that are in the air, if you will. Just my thought. Moving on, verse 15. When he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And suddenly, one having the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me, and I retained no strength. For how can the servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know why I've come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. Mind you, that prince of Greece, that demon over Greece is not going to come for another 150 years. I find that interesting. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against thee except Michael, your prince, if you go to chapter 2, notice the, the parentheses continues in verse 1. Also in the first year of Darius the Mede, I even I stood up and, uh, to confirm and strengthen him. So we're going to stop there because we're going to touch on this idea of there is something in the air. So Daniel begins to pray at day 1. Nothing happens until day 24. What if Daniel would have stopped at day 18? Prayer, an interesting dynamic where God desires for us to communicate with him. The Bible in the Gospel of Matthew says that when we are to pray, we are to keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. And in the Greek, the words are keep being persistent in what you ask for and what you seek and what you knock upon. And so we wonder sometimes why does God want us to pray if what God is going to do is what God is going to do. And we don't know the exact reason. Maybe God wants us to be involved with what he is doing. Pastor Chuck Smith has said that every answered prayer is born where? In the heart of God. And so maybe God has this desire and this plan and this will to be able to do on earth and he wants to use you. He wants you to partner with him in fulfilling what he desires to do. He puts something on your heart. You pray, God does it, and you're like, oh, that was cool, God, dude, I prayed for that. Yeah, woo. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't do anything. God was gonna do it, but he wanted to use you. He wanted you to be involved. He wanted a relationship with you so maybe that's the dynamic right i think of maybe christmas time for you know my kids and you you hand them the toys r us booklet 
Toys R Us is coming back, right? They kind of went out of business and now they're coming back. I think it was a scam that they just did it all along. But anyways, whatever's going on there. So Toys R Us is coming back. So the kids are small, right? Four daughters. And you hand them the book and you say, okay, girls, go ahead and pick whatever you want for Christmas this year. And what do they do? They circle everything on every page and I got to have it and I want it and I want that and I want that. And then they give it to you and you're like, ah. But as time goes on and Christmas gets closer, they're, they're kind of, they're, they're like narrowing it down. Okay, dad's not going to get us everything on every page. All right, what do I really, really, really got to have? And then they begin to narrow it down. And so maybe sometimes prayer takes long and we need to press in in prayer because we're asking for everything and we want everything and everything's priority and everything's significant. And as time goes on, it becomes to, to be clear what we really need and what we really desire from God. And what it is that we really want him to do. Maybe there's a component there of that or an aspect of that. The Bible says in Romans 8.38, Ephesians 1.21, Ephesians 3.10, Ephesians 6.12, Colossians 1.16, Colossians 2.10, Colossians 2.15, Titus 3.1. All these verses refer to demonic powers associated with human governments. And on three occasions, Jesus referred to Satan as the prince or the ruler in the New King James of this world. John chapter 12, verse 31. John chapter 14, verse 30. John chapter 16, verse 11. Jesus refers to Satan as the prince or the ruler of this world. Ephesians six twelve. the Bible says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We have a tendency to think that our battle, our fight, our struggle is with people or with systems. And if they are with systems, there's something behind there's those systems. There is something in the air. Yesterday morning, I was reading an article. I almost couldn't believe what I was reading. Politics. You guys love politics. There's a Democratic Party and there's a Republican Party. And as I look at both of those parties, I see oh, strengths and weaknesses, I guess I can call it. I see some positive things, but I see a whole lot of negative things and how God wants us to be very, very careful when we begin to pick and choose sides. Supreme Coven, which is in New York to hold public ritual to hex Kavanaugh. So Kavanaugh is the new Supreme Court nominee that was voted in and he is now one of our justices. And so there is a group of witches that have committed that they will hold a, what do they call it? Um, Well, here. A coven of New York witches is holding a public ceremony next week to cast a hex on Justice Brett Kavanaugh in what Tucker Carlson described as the latest left-wing effort to stop his rise to the high court. Liberal Sherpa Kathy Aru said the hexing will take place in Brooklyn and that it will include an optional $10 donation to take part. 
Side note, Dr. Ford, who came out, and I believe something definitely happened to Dr. Ford, if you know anything about Kavanaugh and what's taken place in the last two and a half weeks. But she had a GoFundMe page, and now she's gone, and nothing is heard of the money. $700,000 was raised. They needed, I think, 100000 for bodyguards to protect her. Over $200,000 was raised in two different GoFundMe accounts. Carlson said part of the proceeds will go to Plant Parenthood to fund their own human sacrifice rituals. He said that it is appropriate that the Democratic Party, which conducts witch hunts, also conducts witchcraft. Aru said the coven previously cast three hexes on President Trump and considered their efforts successful in partially stymening his administrative, administration's goals. And so if we think it's just politics, whether it's the greed and the power-hungry Republican Party or witches and covens and spa, casts, spells cast in the Democratic Party, there's something behind these powers. There's something over these. You find it interesting that in this chapter, Daniel names the prince of Persia, and he says also there's the prince of Greece. You think maybe there's a prince over United States of America? And when he says there's a prince over Persia, and the prince, the prince is withholding the angel that is dispatched to go and help Daniel. It's holding him back. There's a fight. There's a, a, a fight in the spiritual realm as Daniel prays and wants that, that help and that, that vision from God and the angel is dispatched and he's sent to Daniel but it's delayed because there's a fight. There's a battle that's taking place. Satan in Revelation chapter 13 is said to with his tail have swung one third of the stars cast down to earth when he fell. If you don't know who Satan is, he is Lucifer, the highest ranking angel. He's either equal with Michael the archangel or he's higher than, but he was the highest ranked angel that God had created. The most beautiful thing that God created and pride was found in his heart. Isaiah chapter 14 and Ezekiel chapter 28 give descriptions of Satan's fall. Only three angels named in the Bible Gabriel, the messenger angel, uh, Michael, the archangel, and Lucifer, God's mm, crowning just beauty, prize, wisdom, beauty. It says in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 about this created being. And so pride found in his heart, he falls, he takes with him one third of the angels and they're cast down to earth. And whether those are bad spirits or demons, uh, a demon, it seems, is one who desires to, they're non-corporeal, meaning they don't have physicality. Demons seem to be the ones that want physicality. They are the ones that possess, whether it's pigs or people, or people that act like pigs. They are the ones that possess. And so just interesting as you study in the scriptures demonology, I would be very careful to go outside of the word of God when you begin to study these things. It's definitely a realm that exists and a realm that we want to be weary of, but the Bible has a lot to say about this. So if one third of the angels fell with Satan, there's 
two-thirds left. What is the purpose of those two-thirds? Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? There's a lot of good angels that are there at your disposal. Those who are saved, those who would inherit salvation. And God uses those angels. In the gospel, it's interesting, you know, you ask the question, are there guardian angels? But we believe there are. Jesus speaking and referring to children says, they're angels. Look out after them. that neat? Some of your angels are on overtime. Just saying. The subtlety of Satan, the incredible wisdom that he uses for evil does not cease to boggle my mind because I fall for it over and over, hook, line, and sinker. And and isn't he good at what he does to trip us up? In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, Paul writes, But I fear, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The simplicity that God loves you. The simplicity that God is good. The simplicity that God has a good and acceptable and a perfect will for your life. How does Satan do it over and over to get us off that path, off the track, to think that our battle is with people? To forget that we're fighting a spiritual realm and that we need to call on God. We need to bring God into our lives, into our circumstances. We have everything at our disposal as Christians, as children of God, to be victorious in this battle. And yet, why do we find ourselves struggling to the degree that we do so often? 1 Peter 5, 8, 9, the Bible says, Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. And Jesus gives us the key in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And so this idea that there is something in the air, there is a spiritual realm that exists and that it is within that spiritual realm that the battle is taking place and it is in that spiritual realm that we need to come into, press into and battle. You look at Daniel and he wants to hear from God and he wants to be used by God. And so he foregoes some of his physical things so that he can press in to that spiritual realm. And he gives us here in this chapter insight into that spiritual realm that we wouldn't have otherwise. That an angel can be dispatched on day one and not reached him until day 24 because there's something that's going on in that realm. So may we be careful to make sure that we use the weapons that God has given us. 2 Corinthians 10 says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. What are the strongholds? Things that we believe. 
lies, subtle lies that we've bought into. Spiritual strongholds resurrected in our minds. The battle is taking place right here. And our victory is found in pressing in and prayer and breaking through to God. Twice in this chapter, verse 11 and 19, Daniel was called greatly beloved. And you would think, well, that's, that's Daniel. I mean, look at how God was able to use Daniel. That same word is in Luke's gospel, chapter one, as a reference to Mary. Mary, the angel tells her, Gabriel, you are highly favored by God. God has chosen you to do something awesome in these last days, to bring forth the Messiah through you. Daniel, greatly beloved. Mary, highly favored. But the same thing is given to you as a child of God. You're greatly beloved. You're highly favored by God. Ephesians chapter one. Let me read you verses three through six. Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Notice where they're at. In the heavenly places in Christ. That same realm is where your heavenly blessings are. Just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the same Greek word, beloved. The Greek word is charitou. Same exact Greek word that is referred to Mary, highly favored, is that word in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, the last word, beloved. Daniel, greatly beloved. Mary, highly favored. You are accepted in the beloved. And here's the strategy of the enemy. And here's how it works out. God wants to show you incredible things. God wants to give you visions. God wants to give you dreams. We find ourselves so distracted with common everyday life that we're missing out. There's nothing that you need, nothing that you need as a child of God to wait for this stuff to happen in your life. You're not like the nation of Israel marching forward and possessing your possessions. The promised land for the nation of Israel was to go in and to possess the things that God had promised for them by marching forward and taking territory that didn't belong to them, that God had for them. But what happens in life? Where is it that we really live? We're bamboozled. We're fighting this spiritual realm that, that exists, this, this, this thing, and we're thinking that it's people, and we're thinking that it's pressure, and we're thinking that it's all of this stuff, that it's not subtlety, craftiness of the enemy. There's nothing, you're already righteous because your righteousness is imputed. You're perfect. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. 
chosen by God. There's nothing that's needed because it's not you. It's what God has given you. It's what God has bestowed upon you. It's what God declares on you. And so here we are, all distracted, enemy, 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 distracting us. And we're like, no, you don't understand the pressure, man. You don't know anything about my life, bro. You don't even know the struggle. Struggle's real. Well, I do, because I live in the same world that you live in. And I'm just as distracted. And I'm just as bamboozled. And I'm just as taken back. And I look at it, and I'm like, oh, sucker, Satan got me again. Oh, dummy. So I'm in it with you. I understand it perfectly. My prayer is that we would understand that in this spiritual battle that we would use the weapons that God has given us and that we would press in and realize that life on earth is so much shorter than eternity, which is forever and forever, and just experience the wonders of God and what he has to show us. And oftentimes, I got to be honest with you, a lot of this stuff is going to be personal. Stuff that you might not share with the whole world. God might not put a microphone in front of you or put it in the scriptures, documented for people to read it, but it's just personal. And that's the goodness of God. It screams to what God wants to show you and reveal to you and just blow you away with. And then you just walk away and say, Lord, you're so awesome. That is good stuff. Man, that's what you're going to do? And then you see it come to pass and you're like, yeah, I saw that. God showed me that last week. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." And that's just your God. But we're so like caught up with the daily life. And we're just trying to, like the, the movie Dumb and Dumber, eke out an existence. We're just trying to eke out an existence. And God is like, children, why do you settle for so little? I got so much that I want to pour out. And then once in a while, you do get to share it. To God be the glory. We want to point to God. We want to make sure that people know that, yeah, God, God showed me this. But, but he showed me this or he gave me this so that I can give it to you. And then that's up to people, whatever they do with it, right? But God wants to use you. And it's a wonder that, um, man, he's so good to want to do that. Amen? Father, we thank you for who you are. And Lord, we don't understand everything about this realm. But we do recognize, Lord, that there's a battle. And I pray, Lord, that we would press in, in prayer, communing with you, talking to you, that we wouldn't give up, that we wouldn't lose heart, that we wouldn't grow faint, but that we would just continue to press in, continue to talk to you. And as we move forward in the things of God, Lord, that you would use us for your glory to speak truth into the lives of people that we come across, building an army, Lord, one soldier at a time and the world is going to say what it says and people are going to have their thoughts but Lord may we care about what you think more than about anything else on this earth in Jesus name Amen Amen